Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back, Christian Daytop, White House correspondent, Washington Examiner. Always good to have him on the show. Uh, Christian, happy new year to you, dear brother. Good to have you back, man. How are you? I'm great, Dr. Ritchie. Happy New Year to you and your family. Hope uh, you got a little relaxation uh, before the craziness this coming year. <laughs> there you go. Same to you, my friend. All right. Um, I may have lied last time you were on the show. I said, you know, I don't think things can get worse for Biden. Obviously, that was wrong. So let's talk about the new poll numbers. It looks as if Biden is literally less popular than Trump based on some polling data that has come out. His numbers are going in the wrong direction still. I thought he basically reached the floor. And what is, is the cause and effect relationship you think associated with his declining poll numbers? And I'm talking about specifically with moderates and Democrats. What say you? Well, the cause is pretty apparent. I think the war in Israel is having a much more drastic impact on the Democratic base than President Biden's um, Confidants and White House officials and cabinet members thought it might. Uh, that doesn't necessarily account for the drop that he's seen with black voters and Latino voters, but in young voters, people under 35, many of whom are voting for the first time ever uh, in November, he's now trailing Donald Trump, like you had mentioned. Biden won that demographic. He actually won all three of those demographics in 2020. And according to some of the Democratic strategists I'm talking to, this is the beginning of what they called a five alarm fire. Uh, we heard a lot about over the last year how President Biden needs to shift away from focusing on Bidenomics on the campaign trail and sort of roll out that 2020 playbook again. Don't compare me to God, compare me to the alternative. But it's starting to look like that might have been a shift that happened too late. And I, I would ask this to you, what more do you think the president can do at this point to sort of lure back black voters, other minority voters, or are we just sort of stuck with the fact that we've got a wildly unpopular president going up against a wildly unpopular opponent and the American electorate or the folks who are paying the price? That is a great question. Let's go to cause and effect. Why is he unpopular with the demographics you named? It is because of lack of delivery, lack of delivery. So if you want to actually transform the reality that is, you have to go back to your original resume. What did you run on? What did you promise? What did you say would happen if we voted you in and gave you additional members of the Senate? I mean, you got Senator Ossoff, you got Senator Warnock. Those people came from a Republican state. You normally would not have had that additional or those additional votes. The reality is this, it's not just the, the delivery, Christian. It's also the fight behind it. You see, Trump, when you go pound for pound, he didn't really deliver everything he said he would deliver. Just look at it, pound for pound, he broke a lot of promises. But the people that put him in office, they believed he did everything within his power to try and deliver those promises he did not deliver. So even when he came short of delivering the promise for his particular base, they are of the belief that he still bear, he could still bear the standard if elected again. Here's what's happening inside of other communities, especially the black community at large. There's this question about Biden having the zeal 
to do the work. It's understandable the man is not king. It's understandable he has to fight a contentious conservative movement. But it doesn't seem as if the vigor is there to do anything and everything within his authority. Don't break the law, hell, bend it though. Push the envelope, sign an executive order. Let a court overturn you if it is deemed unconstitutional. These are things that Trump did. And he did them, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But what did it accomplish for him politically? The people that voted him in believed he's willing to push their agenda. The people that voted Biden in do not believe Biden is willing to push their agenda. It's that simple. If he pushes the agenda in that way, you will see a shift in the tides. But if he continues to be an institutionalist, as he has been for many years, you will see this decline and hopefully there will be a floor. And uh, the only thing that could turn that around, dear brother, uh, is if Trump is not qualified to run for president and is probably incarcerated. I hear what you're saying, but I think there's another problem that Biden is dealing with right now. Um, when I was running down my notes preparing today, I sort of identified this as a, as two prongs of a fork. One, okay. we know he truly is a moderate, despite the fact that uh, the administration came in promising all of these uh, progressive ideas. That being said, there's a a a, a large swath of people that are necessary to make a, an administration hum, be they Republican or Democrat. And this was a problem that Trump ran into uh, from 2016 through 2020. If you don't have people who are A, specifically buying in to your message and your ideals, and B, competent enough to carry those out through fruition, then you're going to look like a hapless executive. And I think that's something that President Biden is dealing with right now, especially when it comes to his messaging strategy. I mean, I listened to him on Al Sharpton's radio show yesterday, and he was ticking off all of these things he's allegedly done for the black community, lowering unemployment to just over 5% a historic low, nominating a historic number of black women to the judiciary, including Supreme Court Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson. But why, the way he was saying it, and I don't know if it was whoever wrote his remarks or just his delivery uh, at large, it didn't feel like he really was buying into it. And I think that sort of backs up what you're saying. So it's going to take more than just a change in Biden. It's really going to take a change in his entire political apparatus to make sure that message gets hammered home. And to that point, we're seeing some departures from the White House. Mitch Landrieu, who was a very effective infrastructure coordinator, former mayor of New Orleans, is departing the White House. He's going to the campaign proper. John Kerry, who you know, say what you want about him, uh, has been one of the most public-facing uh, members of the administration in pursuing Biden's climate agenda. He is also departing and going to be helping the reelection effort. So I think the campaign itself recognizes that they've got a major staffing problem, and it's not just a problem with the guy who's at the head of the ticket. You know, I I concur. I agree with you. Let's talk about the messaging dynamic. The rules of the game have changed. They've changed. The Republican Party, we can look at them now and say clearly, they are messaging heavy and policy light. No question about it. They are messaging heavy and policy light. And so every Republican who's running on a major stage, they are not quick to talk 
exacting policy because they don't know if Trump is going to disagree with it. They don't know what the ramification may be from the quote standard bearer of the party. And so instead of talking about policy, they talk about culture. They create these culture wars. And these things have been safe for them, right? They can say, we want to stop wokeness. The hell does that mean? But it works for their crowd, right? So they're messaging heavy. Democrats have always had a challenge messaging. I don't think it's ever been this bad, but they've always had a challenge with it where everyone wants to give you, you know, a dissertation. When really we just needed a paragraph, possibly an essay. We want you to be able to talk to people in a way they can understand and they get it and you can understand them. They don't have time to go over your dissertation. They don't because we are burdened with the reality of work. We're burdened with the reality of making ends meet. So we don't have that time. And it's not our fault we don't have the time to go through your dissertation every time you want to talk. And that's what Biden does. Biden will give you the dissertation. When I interview Vice President Kamala Harris, she will give you the dissertation. She will lay out line by line, moment by moment, what they have delivered for various groups. A, typically, it does not align precisely with what they ran on, meaning the resume. And number two, these things become antiquated at a particular time because politics is about what have you done for me lately? What are you doing for me today? I'm glad you did that in the first 90 days, but damn it, what have you done for me in the last one year that I can track and I can feel? And I don't think that's happening. And messaging is a big part of that. Who do you think? Because I'm completely open to anyone taking the messaging helm and saying, we are going to refocus, reimagine this campaign. And Biden is going to become much more of an out of the box president like Trump was. Granted, I didn't like the way he, I don't like his politics, but his methodology secured his base. And right now, Biden is not securing his own base. Yeah, I think you're right. I, and I think the campaign itself knows that. And that's a reason you're seeing Vice President Harris uh, strike out on her own a lot more yeah. over the last couple of months to try and bring back those legs of the of the coalition that Biden has clearly been bleeding support from. And I, I think this is a smart strategy for a number of reasons. One, uh, through the first two years of the administration, I, I don't think I'm uh, breaking news to anyone when I said that Kamala Harris probably uh, underperformed according to expectations, whether it was her handling of immigration, whether it was her uh, you know constant gaffes regarding the space program or anything like that. But they're now sending her out to HBCUs. They're sending her to communities who have been impacted by gun violence. Uh, they've been sending her to you know economic areas of the country that have been underserved both by Republican and Democratic administrations. And there are say, and she's saying, excuse me, look, we've got your back. And I know this thing hasn't been hard or hasn't been easy over the past couple of years, but here's what we're going to do if we win election again. And here's exactly how Republicans will hurt you if Donald Trump or Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or whoever wins the White House in November. Um, I think there are a couple of other people outside of the administration who are doing things like this. Gavin Newsom comes to mind and it's potentially self-serving. It looks like he's got eyes on a presidential run himself in the future. But I think the biggest problem for Biden is that traditionally Democrats have had voices outside of government unofficially lobbying for them in elections, whether they're celebrities, whether they're activists. And right now, the activist crowd in particular doesn't like anything the administration is doing. 
It's not just the war in Israel. It's not just rolling back student loans. It's everything. And uh, I, I fear that it's a little too late to turn the page over for this current president. Yeah, they better hope Trump goes to jail. So let me say this very quickly. What you just said is it. That's it. And it's something I tell my college students. You took away, and I'm talking about Democrats, you silenced the voice of your door knockers. You silenced the voice of your call bankers. You silenced the voice of your visibility team, the team that actually creates excitement for the campaign. You silenced them. You silenced them through saying no to AOC, no to uh, Nita Turner, uh, no to Cori Bush. You don't give them the space they deserve inside of the ranks of left-leaning political, uh, the left-leaning political spectrum. And now you need the crowds that support them, but you did not support the people they validated. There's a reason why the mainstream Republicans would tolerate Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's a reason why the mainstream Republicans would tolerate Matt Gates, because they understand the people that put them in office, those extreme right-wingers, are the energetic force behind their movement to a degree. But on the Democratic side, we decided to surgically remove them as if they mean nothing and they don't exist. And these individuals actually are right on ideas where Republicans would tolerate those who are wrong on ideas and they know they are wrong on ideas and they will still allow them to have permeation in the party. What say you? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, politics is a dirty business and everyone knows it takes more than one man to crew the ship. Uh, I think the the example of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates is particularly prescient given the hell they raised uh, for the Republican conference over the last year, ousting Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy gave those people a platform in the first place in order to get the gavel and it came back to bite them. That being said, that's just the way Washington operates. Uh, and I think it's a lesson that President Biden and uh, perhaps Democratic leadership should take from their friends on the other side of the aisle. They want to have success in this election uh, in years to come. Farewell said, Mrs. Daytime. Please tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Everyone can follow me anywhere. Uh, my handle is at talk radio, T-O-C radio. And you can read my work on WashingtonExaminer.com. Dr. Ritchie, thanks as always for having me on. Thank you for being here. Christian Daytalk, White House correspondent, Washington Examiner. Always a pleasure.